Hi everybody, Jimmy DeYoung, and welcome to Prophecy Today. I need, actually, 90 minutes. That's the extent of our broadcast. My broadcast partner's standing by all across the world, and I'm serious, all across the world. We're going to be talking in a moment with Ken Timmerman. He's in southern France. We'll get to Ken, who looks at geopolitical activities for us, and then we'll go to Israel, Winky Madad, standing by. He's going to give us information about the third Israeli elections, and we'll talk about will there be a fourth election. They are talking about an emergency government right now because of the coronavirus situation there in Israel. And by the way, we'll be announcing very important information for you. Our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash prophecy today and prophecy today one word P-R-O-P-H-E-C-Y-T-O-D-A-Y. That's youtube.com forward slash prophecy today. Or go to YouTube and just search for Jimmy DeYoung and then be sure to subscribe. We're going to be putting brand new information up on YouTube. Teaching on Bible prophecy. We figured since some will be quarantined, not being able to get out of the home, why not study the Word of God while you're in that particular situation? Don't waste time. Let's spend time looking at the prophetic passages of God's Word. That's what we're going to do with our YouTube channel. I'll remind you about it, but uh, check it out. I think it'll be a blessing to you. Always studying the Word of God is a blessing. We're going to be in Springfield, Missouri, on all day Sunday and Monday evening, the Graceway Baptist Church. Love to have you come study the Word if you're daring to go out any place where a crowd may be. Well, let's go to Ken Timmerman, as I talked about. Ken, you're in France. Now, we are concerned. Are you going to be able to get back home? Tell us what is the situation there. Well, you know, there's a lot of public concern in France over coronavirus, and it's all you hear about on the news. But where we are in the south of France, we see and hear absolutely nothing. But the issue for us is going to be whether the airlines actually maintains the flight. So we'll see. We're, we're scheduled to come back just before Easter. Uh, I did have to actually cancel a trip to Tbilisi, Georgia, next week because they were imposing a mandatory 14-day quarantine on anyone coming from France. So <laughs> they're taking it seriously and, uh, you know, trying to limit the number of cases. I guess southern France is not too bad a place to have to hang around for a little bit longer than maybe you expected. Well, let's get to the geopolitical activities around the world. Seems like Russia and Turkey, and we've been talking about the ongoing conflict there in Syria at the Turkish-Syrian border. They've agreed to some type of a ceasefire there in Idlib. What can you tell us about it? Well, that's right. And Erdogan made the pilgrimage to Moscow. He sat at the feet of uh, President Putin to work out this agreement. They have uh, special corridors uh, to allow refugees to evacuate. And in theory, they're conducting joint Russian-Turkish military patrols to ensure that the ceasefire holds. It's been in place for a week. There have been violations, but it does seem to be holding, and that's because it's in both countries' best interests. The Russians don't want an all-out shooting war with Turkey, and the Turks don't really want to uh, get into a big conflict with Syria. 
So the ceasefire does serve every party's interest for the time, uh, except potentially for the jihadi group. So we'll have to see how long it holds. Well, I would imagine, and there was a headline that I think is a very good question, can Turkey defeat Russia's army in Syria? That probably came into Erdogan's mind as he was there with Vladimir Putin, so that would seem the best alternative was a ceasefire. I think you're right about that. But again, this cuts both ways. The Russians have their own vulnerabilities in Syria that that we don't often pay attention to. So far, they haven't paid a big price for them. But, for example, they must resupply their troops by sea, and those ships, resupply ships, have to go through the Bosphorus. The Bosphorus, obviously, uh, by Istanbul, controlled by Turkey. If the Turks really wanted to put pressure on Putin, they could uh, prohibit the transit of military ships through the Bosphorus. They haven't done so. Okay. The second vulnerability the Russians have is they have a single air base in Syria. Now, that could be also the target of either the Turks or, or jihadi groups. It hasn't been so far. So the Russians are not invulnerable. They have uh, a couple of thousand troops on the ground. The, the Turks have got, have got about 7,000. But remember, Turkey's just next door. So to resupply its troops, it just has to drive trucks across the borders. For the Russians, it's a lot more complicated. You know, geography does play a key role in geopolitical activities. Last time Judy and I were in Turkey, we were staying on the Bosphorus there, and we looked out our hotel window and saw a Russian military ship coming through the Bosphorus. Very interesting information you've given us. One more thing about Turkey. They are saying that they want to rebuild Syria, actually, with uh, the country's oil income. (laughs) That's what Erdogan is saying. Is that a bit of, uh, hey, we'll do this only because it'll help us? What is it? Well, it's not a surprise. The Turks would like to claim credit for rebuilding parts of Syria, at least the parts where they are. And, of course, they don't want to pay for it themselves. So they say, look, let us take over these oil-rich zones that today are controlled by the United States. Remember, President Trump made it clear that the only U.S. interest was to control the oil, to use the oil for our allies in Syria, the Syrian Kurds. So they are using it in the areas that they control to run their region, if you wish, to to provide services, as well as to to purchase weapons and to continue fighting against the jihadi terrorist groups and also to hold the line against Turkey. So this is a potentially big conflict looming on the horizon. Who gets the oil? Erdogan is trying to lay a, a claim to that oil. President Trump has already done so, and we have a 1,000 troops on the ground in Turkey whose sole purpose, according to the president right now, is to defend that oil. Very interesting development there. Ken, I know you're a great journalist. You travel all over the world. We talk to you all over the world. And uh, I know you're not a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but does this seem, as you're looking at it, like Syria is at the time of the end game and it's quickly approaching, or is this still going to be a long period into the future before it's all over? Well, I think the end game of the Syrian civil war is approaching. The Syrians have made uh, dramatic gains on the ground of the past three years. Uh, they've retaken territory. Uh, Jimmy, three years ago, the suburbs of Damascus were on fire. They had, the jihadi groups occupied the suburbs of Damascus that allowed them to, to launch mortar attacks on the presidential palace. You know, that's over. 
That is completely gone. The Syrian government has subdued the entire southern part of the country, most of the central part of the country. The only two pockets remaining out of their control are Idlib province in the uh, northwest. That's where the Turks and the Russians are fighting, and the Turks are fighting alongside the jihadi groups. And the area along the border with Turkey and Iraq that the Kurds currently control. And parts of that area are where the United States has a military presence. So except for those two pockets, the Syrian government, Assad, now controls about 85% of the country. So yeah, he has made tremendous strides at putting an end to the civil war. Just a couple of weeks ago, he signed yet another agreement uh, in a different province to allow rebel groups to reintegrate into society. They have Mm -hmm. basically surrendered. Uh, and and acknowledge that they have lost the war and now want to be a part of uh, Syrian society once again and to have their civil rights restored uh, and actually enter their names into a register so they cannot be pursued by the Syrian intelligence services. So, yeah, I think Assad is, is well on his way to having wrapped up this very brutal, brutal civil war, 400,000 dead. I saw something. I'm not sure if it's rumor or not. Maybe you can clear it up for us. Syria is going about reinstituting their chemical weapons program. Any word on that? Well, you know, there were reported attacks in 2018 uh, by the Syrian government using chlorine and possibly sarin. The U.N. sent uh, a team there to investigate. The Russians opposed the investigation. The United States and France bombed a suspected Syrian chemical weapons site. So this is something that's been going on for some time. The reason we're talking about it again this week is that the Israelis now have launched airstrikes against what appear to be reinvigorated or rebuilt Syrian chemical weapons facilities. We haven't seen them use it on the battlefield yet, but the fact that they might be rebuilding those facilities is definitely something that should cause concern. Let me conclude our conversation with a report out of Moscow that the czar of Russia, Vladimir Putin, (laughs) I I didn't mean exactly what I said, he's getting 16 more years to be the president, the king, the czar, whatever you want to call him. Boy, that looks tough as far as Russia is concerned with the rest of the world, doesn't it? it? It sure does. So Putin has been at the head of the country for over 20 years already. Two terms as president, a term as prime minister, and then two more terms as president. It's not enough for him. Now he's saying he's asked parliament, and he just won their approval, by the way. Uh, Overwhelming approval. I mean, not one vote against him in the two houses of parliament to basically remove the two-term term limit on his stay as president. So in 2024, when he served his second two terms, he can now uh, get the clock set back to zero and run twice more for another eight years until he's 83 years old. And after that, who knows? The man is the czar, as you mentioned. He will have been in power after this longer than Joseph Stalin. What a history you're going to be written about Vladimir Putin in the future. A major player in our world today, and we stay on top of everything he does, plus every other geopolitical event happening in the world with our man Ken Timmerman. Ken, enjoy your stay there in southern France, and we'll continue to talk to you there until you're able to come home. But thank you so much for the report today. With with great pleasure, Jimmy. God bless. We're going to take a break when we come back. We've got... 
the man who's going to give us our Middle East news update. That's David Dolan. He's standing by all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Every believer needs to understand Bible prophecy. Whether you're a novice or a student, we are here to help you. Just visit prophecytoday.com and click on the link for the Prophecy Bookstore. There you will find a large selection of CD sets, DVDs, and books for the Bible prophecy student written by Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and other prominent scholars. While you're there, be sure to check out Dr. DeYoung's latest series called Presidents, Politics, and Prophecy. This series examines how God has used human leaders in general and specifically the last seven U.S. presidents to set the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. This was shot on location in Washington, D.C. and is available on DVD or as a 10-hour audio series on CD. Be sure to check back often for special deals. You can visit prophecytoday.com and click on Bookstore or you can go directly to prophecybookstore.com. Prophecy Today is heard all across the USA on the Prophecy Today radio network, but also it is heard around the world through our website at prophecytoday.com. And Jay, there are many other features on our prophecytoday.com website, like daily news updated out of the Middle East as it pertains to what's happening prophetically. Special reports can be heard right on our website at prophecytoday.com. We have Prophecy Q&A available for you. Questions asked in the past can be answered on the website if you just check it out and go to that particular spot. Prophecy Quiz is available, and parts of our Prophecy Today program, if you should miss any part of it, will be heard the next week right here at prophecytoday.com. And don't forget, you can even email your questions to us for our live radio broadcast. Just go to our website at prophecytoday.com. You'll be amazed, you'll be surprised at what you'll find on our website. Be sure to visit us at prophecytoday.com on the World Wide Web. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung. I'm actually here in Springfield, Missouri, and we're involved in being able to set up a temporary studio in order to be able to put the broadcast on the air, traveled all the way across uh, the southern part of the United States into Missouri. We're going to be at the Grace Way Baptist Church all day Sunday and then on Monday evening for a prophecy conference. And what a important time to be able to study the Word of God. By the way, we announced at the beginning of this broadcast our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash prophecy today is going to have new material on a daily basis starting on Monday. You can go to YouTube if you did not get the address and just search for Jimmy DeYoung and then be sure to subscribe. We've got just a vast amount of information and Bible prophecy teaching Uh, we're going to put on our YouTube channel. This will be a way when you're having to stay away from some of the events you might have wanted to be involved in to be able not to waste that time but study the prophetic Word of God. That's youtube.com forward slash prophecy today. Look us up, study the Word with us. Well, let's go now to David Dolan. He's the man who covers the Middle East with his Middle East News Update. In fact, talking about the coronavirus, David, the chief rabbis in Israel are saying to avoid the Western Wall prayers due to this virus. This is not a normal activity for the rabbis to be able to give that kind of an order 
to the Jewish worshipers, is it? Well, Jimmy, that's right. It's not at all normal, but what is these days? Israel's taking very, very strict measures, really among the strictest in the world. And one of the chief rabbis even said, stop touching the mezuzah, the scripture that's on everybody's doorpost. When you enter a room or enter a house, you're supposed to yeah, touch that. And then some people kiss their fingers first and then touch it. But some people do the opposite. You're not supposed to do that. So things are changing. They had very restricted Purim celebrations. We have uh, all schools closed through Passover, which is next month, and Easter as well. And, of course, we have virtually no tourists. The airport has been not completely shut down. There's a few flights coming in, but very, very few. All flights from the United States have been banned, and that was a difficult decision. They decided instead, uh, at the advice we're told of Vice President Pence to Netanyahu, Prime Minister Netanyahu, to just ban all flights from the United States and from the other places. They'd already done that from Europe. And, Jimmy, that's because all the cases we have now, as of Friday, there were 130 cases, but they've been adding 10 or 15 new ones a day. They've been coming from tourists coming into the country. So the tourist industry is completely shut down now. Most hotels are closing or closed. They're just going to try to ride this out. And, of course, the idea is that the sooner we get control of it, the sooner we can go back to normal life, such as it was, and uh, resume tourism and these other things. So uh, they're just taking prudent measures. But to not have Jews praying at the Western Wall in crowds, that's very different. They've also limited all synagogues this weekend, today, to 100 or less people. They're telling the worshipers to, you know, keep distance from uh, those around you. And again, don't uh, touch each other and all the things we've been hearing. So very different life suddenly. But they do feel they have a handle on the spread of the virus so far. At least they're keeping it from spreading too fast. And that is the goal because, Jimmy, over 2,500 Israeli health workers are in quarantine. Quite a bit of exposure in the first few weeks of this virus spreading to the health workers, and they were not in protective gear and this sort of thing. So that's a good portion of Israel's health staff is already under quarantine. So they don't want that to keep going. They don't want to see their health system collapse. So they're taking these very strong measures at the strong insistence of the health minister, Yaakov Litzman, He's from the United States, by the way, from the New York City area. He said, we've got to get a handle on this. And at first the politicians resisted, but uh, they saw that this is indeed the way they have to go. You know, it's interesting that uh, the political situation is still a bollygon there in Israel, but they've changed their focus and more prioritized what's going on as it relates to the coronavirus. However, politically, it looks now like one of the religious parties, the Shash Party, is calling for a national emergency government, which would be put in place because of their fight against the coronavirus. I'm going to talk with Winky Madad about the whole election situation, so we'll get into that with Winky, but uh, just a moment about this emergency government. That is a viable possibility, isn't it, David? Well, it is, Jimmy, and uh, you may recall I mentioned that last week, that uh, it looked like things were developing to the point where they may just be able to form a temporary unity government, at least based on the health crisis facing the nation. As the health minister, Litzman, said, we are at war, folks. We're at war. It's just 
not against another country at the moment or uh, an enemy of human form, but germs that are coming in on tourists and spreading around and all this sort of thing. So Ari Derry, the uh, head of the Shas party, first made that suggestion, and Prime Minister Netanyahu immediately picked it up, Jimmy, and he called upon uh, Benny Gantz, the leader of the Blue and White Party, opposition party, to sit down and talk and negotiate a national emergency government. And they did uh, at least talk on the phone, but Gantz started bringing up new demands, and we started hearing this and that from others. But the unity government idea, again, backed by not just Shas, but by nationalist parties and also by several members of the uh, Blue and White Party. So they may be able to pull that off. It depends on how well they get the virus under control and how quickly. Jimmy, they do have a hope in that they've developed a vaccine so says the um, health ministry there. It's an institute in the Galilee that developed it, and they say that it could be produced within just a few weeks and be available to the general public within three months. So that's a much faster process than we're talking about in the United States or in Europe. Uh, Israel fast-tracking that very, very much, in which case we would have the first known vaccine on Earth coming out of the Galilee. Now, how biblical is that, Jimmy? But that's what they're saying. So there's hope there, and people aren't panicking. But with schools closed and most holiday events postponed and no tourism, there's already been a great economic hit to Israel. But they're saying, look, we just have to, you know, take our medicine now if we're going to recover sooner than later. You know, in the United States and, in fact, around the world, especially even in the Middle East there in Iran, Uh, The coronavirus has been politicized, and everybody trying to jump on the fact that, well, the reason for it is such and such and such and such, and you're not doing a good job. Meanwhile, the Palestinian Authority TV preacher is making this statement that the coronavirus is one of Almighty Allah's soldiers. In other words, he's saying that this world is facing this epidemic or pandemic with the coronavirus, because Allah is using this. What are your thoughts and the Palestinian Authority standing behind that statement? Well, I don't know what source he has on high, but whether it has divine sanction or not is anybody's opinion, really. But to say that's a bit silly, I mean, again, it's a virus, and the politics that come in are, are sad, but it is spreading very, very rapidly through Iran, and that's another reason that the Israelis are taking such measures. All the Gulf countries now have cases as well, the Arab Gulf countries, and of course Egypt has as well. And uh, Iran, they're worried basically, Jimmy, that they'll lash out to try to divert attention from what's going on inside. A clear failure of their health system, I would say. And we had these strikes against the U.S. A base in Iraq this week killed two U.S. soldiers and a British soldier, and then the U.S. and Britain responding with attacks. That's the Hezbollah group in Iraq allied with Iran. So there is concern that Iran may see this as an opportunity to attack Israel, physically attack with the United States preoccupied, with its allies in Europe and elsewhere preoccupied with the crisis at home, that they might feel this is the right time. So the Israelis remain very vigilant against an actual war uh, while we have this war against the germs coming into the country. Seems like the Palestinians hate the Jewish people enough they will use any excuse to go after them. And in fact, uh, 
they are saying Allah is using this. Uh, we're not sure that's the case, are we, David? First of all, you and I know that Allah is not the God of the Bible, but if you have a pipeline, you might hear something on those lines. But it just seems like uh, uh, these sorts of statements are not helpful. There's no need to to do that. But it does indicate, as you said, the deep animosity towards Israel that anything that comes along they'll use as sort of a reason to bash Israel and, again, call for its destruction. David Dolan, the man who covers the Middle East for us with his Middle East News update, we need to have this report on a weekly basis, sometimes on a daily basis. Uh, But David does an excellent job to help us understand what's going on in this key region of the world. David, you be safe yourself, buddy. Thank you so very much. We'll talk again next week. And you be safe as you travel, Jimmy. God bless. We're going to take a break, and after the break, we're going to bring Winky Madad to this broadcast table to talk about the Israeli elections and what the future may hold. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Have you ever wanted to know more about God's plan for the future? Have you ever tried to understand prophetic passages in God's Word, like, say, the book of Revelation, and been frustrated at not being able to figure it out? Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's latest CD series, Keys for Unlocking God's Plan for the Future, will help you gain the ability to understand where to start in your study of prophecy and allow you to read God's Word in a new and exciting way. Understanding God's prophetic Word will allow you to live a pure and productive life until Jesus returns for the church. Keys will help you gain the tools you need to understand the end-time events as foretold in God's Word. Dr. DeYoung lays out a systematic approach to Bible prophecy for those who want to know God's plan for the future. Tracks included are A Roadmap Through the End Times, The Jew in Jerusalem, Daniel and the Antichrist, Ezekiel and Messiah's Temple, and Revelation and Babylon. To order your copy of Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's Keys for Unlocking God's Plan for the Future, visit our website at prophecytoday.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. We move into our second half hour. In a moment, we're going to call up Israel. We'll talk with Winky Madad. He's in Shiloh, center part of the state, very historic biblical city. It's where the tabernacle was up and the Ark of the Covenant located there for about 350 years. We're going to be asking Winky about the election situation. Boy, that's a bolygon if I've ever seen it. But first, Winky, thank you for being available to us today. And talk to me, if you will, about the situation with the coronavirus there in Israel. Some pretty tough times as far as the Israelis are concerned. What can you tell us? Well, Jim, it is very serious, but I just want to point out to you and our listeners that we do deal with biblical prophecy on this program as a framework for all our uh, analysis and commentary. And I just want to point out that the first person quarantined was Miriam, the sister of Moses. Uh, She got shut up for about seven days there in the desert, and uh, then the camp waited for her, and we moved on. So... I guess we can say the Jewish people created quarantine. But besides that, with a little bit of a humor, I think there are two aspects to the quarantine, corona, pandemic situation, at least here in Israel. One, of course, is public health. And uh, we're taking it very seriously. We're doing a lot. We've basically closed off our borders. 
We're telling people who are coming in, if they don't have a place to go to for self-quarantine, don't come into the country. And not only that, but we've just uh, announced this week that we're closing down schools as of Sunday. The medical research uh, teams are working around the clock on some sort of anti-coronavirus vaccination. The second aspect, which I'll treat very quickly, is that Mr. Netanyahu is out there in front, organizing, meeting, directing, video talking to 10 leaders of European nations, and doing everything he can, uh, simply proving the fact that politically he can do a lot. He can run a government, he can maybe even deal with a trial, and he can even deal with public health issues. And I think he's really impressing a lot of voters here in Israel that if they're going to go to elections a fourth time, he's the best man to do the job. Well, we're going to get to that issue, should there be a fourth election upcoming in Israel. We'll do that in just a moment. But uh, praise the Lord for those Israeli scientists who are working 24-7, endeavoring to try to get that coronavirus vaccine. We'll be praying for them, that's for sure. Well, let's get to the political scene. That's why I wanted to have a conversation with you. Actually, can you give us the latest on the elections as of today? We don't know it's changing moment by moment, but as of today, what's going on? Well, Jimmy, for those who of our veteran and faithful listeners, if I can use that term faithful on our biblical prophecy program, they know that you and I have discussed many times the possibility that there would be a breakup in some of the parties. We are beginning to see the beginning of that. I don't know exactly how it will take form. The blue and white party, as every day goes on, and I'm now I'm linking up with what I said just a few moments ago, Jimmy, and Netanyahu is being seen to be a magnificent leader in times of crisis. What's happening is that he is greatly increasing his chances of pulling over people onto his side or threatening blue and white that if they go to elections again, they have no chance. He will completely, to use a phrase I once used in America, wipe the floor with them because the people, again, are very impressed. Mm -hmm. Uh, The two people from blue and white, I would give a less of a chance of bolting their party. The female member of Knesset, Orly Abaxis, is the daughter of David Levy, and you know him well, of course, because you and I are a little bit more veteran uh, uh, here in the political scene. He was the outstanding uh, Likud member of Knesset and minister in various positions, including foreign minister. So she was like nationalist, but leaning towards social issues, and she might simply say, By not joining this coalition, I will never get anywhere on the left wing of Israeli politics. I might as well come back to Likud. Yeah, that would be an unbelievable move. And I do remember David Levy. He was so unpredictable. He was amazing. Well, I know that President Rivlin is responsible for appointing one of the political party leaders to try to form the coalition. What's he saying at this time? The only thing he has said besides saying that on Sunday he will begin consultations with the various factions is that his original idea that he proposed in the past two elections before this third one was some sort of 
law that would uh, would fix the exact parameters and method of rotation between Gantz of blue and white and Netanyahu of the Likud. And, of course, Gantz has lost tremendously because he should have accepted that in the first instance, and he'd uh, have a chance either of proving himself capable, which is possible. Uh, uh, I'm willing to give the guy a chance. And now, three elections later, he's really on the outs, and I, I don't know how this is going to work. Mr. Nott, you will say, I'm very sorry. I'm the first one up at bat here at Prime Minister, not you. That would be very good for Prime Minister Netanyahu, and in fact, after two years, if he didn't like the way it was going, he could actually go to a new election as well. I guess that's what Gantz is thinking about at the same time. Well, could there ever be a national government? Do you think they'll come together at all? Will these guys lay down their hatred for each other and form a government for the nation of Israel? Well, Jimmy, that leads me to my last point, which you hit on the nail. The more Mr. Netanyahu is seen as being a major national figure of a person who is winning the war uh, on corona at the present moment, in any case, of being able to talk diplomatically with everybody, etc., what's happening is that the blue and white who really have no political platform other than, as you said, not Bibi. And it's becoming more apparent to the electorate that why should we vote for these guys when they're not holding up the real needs of the nation and all they mm. care about is we don't want Bibi. Well, we want Bibi. The people, we think he's good. And that will perhaps force blue and white, I am hoping not to vote elections again, but to come to some sort of arrangement of a coalition one way or the other in a national unity government. Talk to me, Winky, about the chances of a fourth election in a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being going to the fourth elections. Where would you put the situation right now? Right now, I'd have to go about 6 minus. 6 minus. And that is just a bit more than maybe it will not happen. Well, we're going to have to stay on top of the story. And Winky Madad is the best man I know in the state of Israel to be able to give us the analysis of what's going on. Winky, I thank you for talking to us about the electoral situation. But I also appreciate your update on the coronavirus there in Israel. We'll stay on top of that with you as well and be praying for the Israeli people. Thank you so much, my good friend. We'll talk again real soon. Jimmy, I'll be praying for all the world's population. Thank you very much for having me on, and goodbye to you and our listeners. Very interesting conversation with Winky Madad, looking at the Israeli third elections with a viable possibility. There could be a fourth one as well. However, they're talking very much about an emergency government that would be put in place to be able to deal with the coronavirus situation in Israel. We'll stay on top of that with Winky Madad and others who give us information from the very important state of Israel, the Jewish state of Israel. Right now, we're going to go to the European Union. If there's another region of the world that is key, as is the case with the Middle East, has to be the European Union, which I believe is the infrastructure for the revived Roman Empire. And John Rood, a man who has lived in Brussels, Belgium, for over 30 years, is on top of that region and helps us to stay updated on what is going on. 
John, let me just start with probably the number one issue as it relates to the European Union. President Trump this last week made his speech from the White House, and he said that all travel from Europe coming into the United States with be stopped. The European Union has disapproved of that. Brussels is very angry about the decision made by Trump. They said the president of the United States did it without their permission. What are your thoughts? Give us some insight. Well, the EU has clearly disapproved of what they consider to be a unilateral decision by President Trump. It's interesting because when I was just in Norway, we had discussion on the air about the Schengen Zone and how Norway is in the Schengen Zone but not in the European Union. And indeed, it's the Schengen Zone countries that are included in the ban. So not the United Kingdom and not Ireland. And by the way, Norway is on virtual shutdown now since the time that we have left there. So Europe is voicing that they want to have a European solution and work with the rest of the world. They are frowning upon the United States action, but of course the president did what was necessary. The virus is doubling the number of infections every four days. And so the focus now is really on slowing the infection rate. And here, just in one week, we can't recognize the situation from what it it was a week ago. And so it's the beginning of this, and it's going to take some drastic measures, and we'll be dealing with this most likely over a period of six months or more. That is the viable possibility, John. Did you say, did I hear you correctly, Uh, that they have shut down the state of Norway where you just were? Yeah, virtually Norway is on a shutdown. Businesses, even to get your hair cut, has been shut down. Norway has taken pretty extreme measures, even though the number of infections is lower than the rest of some other countries. Of course, China and Italy are the the top two. But uh, Norway has taken measures to virtually shut down the country, yes. Well, this good that you were in and out of there quickly so that you were not shut down, not able to come back home. Prime Minister Netanyahu of Israel has been working with the European leaders, and they have done some what they would call Internet telecasting, and they've said that this is a global effort, and so the Israelis are working with the Europeans. This is good to see this cooperation. I thought this would be a, a great way to go in the future as well. Yes, you know, Israel, of course, is highly advanced technologically and also with biomedical. And so Prime Minister Netanyahu uh, did a video conference with some of the European leaders. Notably, the leaders were from Austria, Hungary, Cyprus, Italy, Bulgaria, Croatia, and Romania. Although that's very notable, it doesn't match the reasoning of what we just discussed between the EU's reaction to President Trump. So therefore, uh, all of the EU, in my opinion, should be interfacing with Israel on this particular instance. But you see that there's always fragmentations. Prime Minister Netanyahu stressed there should be improving of the tests and change the pace of that and, of course, eventually look for a vaccine. But the most interesting point was to establish safe centers and what would be designated as clean airports. So it does appear that Israel is a step ahead on this, and the entire EU should be able to also speak and get some insights and work together with Israel. 
John, let me just change the focus a little bit. There is a concern, of course, at the border there between Turkey and Greece about what Tayyip Erdogan is doing, allowing these refugees to come across into the European Union and fragile Europe as it is, facing a major influx of radicalized Syrian refugees. Are they going to be able to deal with that? Yes, Turkey has threatened, as we've discussed, to uh, open the gates and to let millions of refugees go into the European Union. Of course, in one sense, they can open the gate to let out, but that doesn't mean that there's a gate to come in. So there's 4 million refugees in Turkey right now. And then, of course, from the Idlib uh, province in Syria, which does include, as you said, terrorist groups and radicalized uh, people. It's not the same group of refugees that have been in previous years, 2014 to 2016. So this is a much more difficult situation. The Turkey-Greek tensions are at a high, and so already 35,000 refugees have uh, sought to leave the country. Turkey, of course, is having a great uh, problem in uh, Syria itself and is having conflict with the Syrian government forces, which are backed by Russia, and as I understand, even Russian forces as well. So it appears that Russia and Syria are working to uh, remove Turkey from that region, and then Turkey wants aid to deal with the refugees which are being sent their way. And so, therefore, the EU is the one that has to deal with this increased tension. Just a side issue, John, and not necessarily a big news headline. But I understand that the Pope in Rome held the first ever virtual general audience while there at the Vatican because of Italy's lockdown. Just an interesting thought as to what is going on because of this coronavirus. Well, we're seeing some unprecedented happenings as well. The Pope, who normally addresses at St. Peter's Square tens of thousands of people openly because of the situation in Italy, which now is the second hardest-struck country from the coronavirus, just simply had a private meeting with some of the leaders and streamed it on Internet, uh, broadcast on television. We'll be seeing some more unprecedented things. The Pope's message was, as well, not only from the epidemic and the virus, but to remember about the Syrian refugees that are on the border situation. But uh, we'll see much more of the video conferencing type idea here in coming months. And all of these, again, all of this is an effort to simply slow down the rate of infection, which is very large. Coronavirus is contagious simply in the air simply by breathing. So slowing it down will be a much less chance of completely overwhelming the medical services worldwide. And this idea of uh, telecasting may be effective across the entire world, possibly even here in the United States as well. John Rood, the man who covers the European Union for us, we see the political because it is setting the stage for the prophetic to be fulfilled. John, thank you so very much. Appreciate it. We'll talk again next week, and please stay well. Thank you. You too. Very important conversation with John Rood covering the European Union. This is a key region of the world, prophetically, 
That's why we look at the political activities there in light of the fact they may well be setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. Well, we have been talking about on this broadcast a number of issues related to the coronavirus situation, not only in America, but actually around the world, and we even focused pretty much on what's happening in Israel as well. You might remember we have a new broadcast partner, R.C. Morrow, and uh, his name is Ron, R.C., and we're going to call him Ron, so you might recognize who it is. He'll be a steady contributor to us here on Prophecy Today as one of our broadcast tables. And both Ron and I on Friday were able to watch President Trump make his announcement to the world about the United States coming under a national emergency. Quite thrilling to see the governmental leaders and the free industry leaders there surrounding the president at the White House and able to stand up and tell the world, in effect, the United States and the citizens of America what they were going to be doing. But I want Ron and I just to talk about the stock market and what's going on in the economic basis of our world, especially here in the United States. I've heard it said that uh, if uh, the United States financial community would have a sneeze, uh, that everybody else in the world would get a cold. So we are the pacemaker of what is going on here. Ron, talk to me about the stock market just for a moment, if you will. For example, twice this last week, an automatic shutdown there at the stock market. Why did that happen? What would trigger something like this? Yeah, hi, Jimmy. The market hit circuit breakers on March 10th and again on Thursday the 12th. Now, these circuit breakers automatically stopped trading to try to curb panic selling. What's interesting is that they have not been triggered since the 1997 Asian crisis. So what happens is, the exchange temporarily stops trading for 15 minutes if prices move rapidly outside of predetermined bounds. The first circuit breaker is triggered with a 7% drop and stops trading for 15 minutes. The next circuit breaker will stop trading at 13% drop for 15 minutes. And finally, if it were to go down 20%, the market will close for the day. So the circuit breakers just try to bring order to a disorderly market. Well, as I understand it, Ron, you might correct me, there was a 2,300-point drop. I believe somebody said that was the historic drop of all of the United States history. What, what about that? Is that the case? Well, on a point basis, but not on a percentage basis. These drops are now, this past couple of weeks, have become regular occurrences. On March 10th, the Dow Jones Industrial Index of 30 stocks dropped 2,014 points closed down 7.6%, which was eclipsed on Thursday when the Dow closed down more than 2,350 points, or just under 10%. But the biggest drop in history was in 1987 when the index dropped 22.6% in one day. Wow. Well, we're not quite there, but could possibly be in the very near future, could we not? We could, Jimmy, but there are a lot of uh, these curbs put in could help to calm the markets. Uh, the government is doing a lot of work to try to steady the markets, and, uh, and the Federal Reserve has been in there adding liquidity to the markets. So there's been a lot going on that hopefully will avoid that from happening. I want to talk to you about the coronavirus as its effect on the stock market, but also OPEC and the oil of crude oil. But let's go to coronavirus first. 
How much of an effect is that having on the stock market and the ups and downs that are taking place? You know, it, it, basically, the coronavirus is fear and uncertainty. Uh, Jimmy, there was a game show some years ago where contestants were asked questions that could grow to a million dollars in prize money. The contestants were given three options to find an answer, and one was to poll the audience. The interesting part is the audience was right 95% of the time. And the audience is much like the stock market. It's sometimes 100% right, and sometimes it overshoots or undershoots, and it drops to 95% right. An external shock like the coronavirus is likely to create overshoots and undershoots until the market prices in the damage. So right now the coronavirus is just causing some chaos. Well, Ron, I do know that the price of crude oil, which is basically determined by OPEC, which is an association of oil-producing countries, and basically the major two would be Russia and Saudi Arabia, they're having some problems. Russia and Saudi Arabia really not agreeing on what they should do, produce more oil or cut down on the supply of oil. Is that a big game changer as it relates to the stock market as well, Ron? It really is, Jimmy. This is an interesting but very dangerous game of who's in charge. So Russia rejected OPEC's proposal to cut 1.5 million barrels per day of production. OPEC wanted to raise the oil price by cutting supply due to economic slowdown caused by the virus. So in response, Saudi Arabia not only cut its forward crude price to Chinese customers by 6 or $7, but it also reportedly is looking to raise its daily crude output by as many as 2 million barrels. The move by the Saudis is both a market share grab and a loud signal to Moscow that they are in charge. Yeah, who's in charge? That is key. Well, I'm glad there's a little bit of an argument between the two because I was able to buy a gallon of gas at $1.75. That's the lowest I purchased gas in a long, long time just the other day. Let me ask this. With all we're seeing unfolding, with the loss of the monies that people may have been putting in their retirement funds, etc., can the market come back? Can it readjust itself and come back to where it was before all this started? You know, on Thursday, Jimmy, the Federal Reserve pumped $1.5 trillion of new money into the market, which is very similar to what they did in the 2008 and 2010 and 2012 financial crisis. That newly printed money lifted the market back then and again on Friday, but it also added to our ever-growing mountain of debt. You know, what is concerning is that the market should bail itself out with solid earnings of great U.S. companies rather than the Federal Reserve bailing it out with newly printed money that debases existing dollars. Now, Friday afternoon, President Trump declared a national emergency that will provide $50 billion of relief to agencies that need the support and it will also help to cut red tape for agencies to move quickly to help people who are sick with the virus. Jimmy, the U.S. economy is the strongest in the world. It has survived 47 recessions and a depression. American people are the most resilient in the world. And with the right sound business decisions, a recovery will come. And it will usually happen when it's least expected. However, I am a student of Bible prophecy, as are you, Ron. And we do know that there will be a one-world economic, political, governmental power headquartered in the literal city of Babylon on the shores of the Euphrates River there in modern-day Iraq in the Middle East. And there will be an economic crisis. Jesus talked about pestilence or pandemics. So 
as we have conversations with you, Ron, it is so key for you to give us the information so we can recognize that we are, maybe not at this time, but quickly approaching the time the Bible prophecy calls for. And of course, preceding that will be a seven-year period of time, the rapture leading that off. Now, I do know you have a newsletter that goes out, Ron. Can you give us how somebody could get in touch with you and be on that mailing list to be included in your newsletter? Jimmy, if they can go to our website, it's uh, prophecytracker.org, where we update news daily that has a relationship to biblical prophecy. And we also have a blog post and opinion where we'll take a news headline of the day and we'll, we'll post the headline and then we'll have our opinion piece underneath it. So my wife and I work on this uh, pretty much all day. Uh, she is the editor uh, for the piece. And uh, we would just invite your listeners to come join us on prophecytracker.org. Prophecytracker.org, that's the address. And you can find Ron Morrow with us here on Prophecy Today. He'll give us economic reports that'll assist us understanding how the times are moving quickly towards the prophetic scenario found in God's Word. Ron, thank you so much. A great report, my good friend, helping a layman like me to understand really what's going on. I'm sure it'll be able to help our listeners as well. Thank you. We'll talk again real soon. Thank you, Jimmy. God bless. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, David James is going to be along. The Jim Baker television program out of Branson, Missouri, has been selling some, well, supposedly cures for the coronavirus, but the government's going after him. That's the report upcoming right here on Prophecy Today. Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central. It's a temporary studio in Springfield, Missouri. We're here to be at the Graceway Baptist Church all day Sunday. And then Monday, want to invite you to come join us as we study the prophetic word of God. What a time in history to be able to do that. Let me invite you to go to my website, prophecytoday.com. There, if you'll go to my home page, scroll down on the left-hand column, and you'll find our poll question. Here's the question. Please go there and answer it. The coronavirus pandemic is across the world, and it may be causing anxiety to rise to a very high level. Jesus Christ, in his Olivet Discourse, Matthew chapter 24 and verse 7, said that there would be pandemics. He used the word pestilence, and that will happen in the last days. Do you believe that it would be good then to follow the instructions of the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, where it says, Be careful for nothing but by prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. Tell all of your worries and concerns to Jesus, and that the peace of God shall then keep our hearts and minds. That's the poll question. Love for you to answer it. And as we said at the beginning of the broadcast, I want you to go to my YouTube channel. It's located at youtube.com forward slash prophecy today. Or if you can't find that, just go to youtube.com and search for Jimmy DeYoung. 
and then be sure to subscribe. We're going to be starting on Monday to put new material, teaching material on the prophetic scenario of God's Word up on our YouTube channel for you to be able to watch. When you have time, when you're maybe in quarantine, why not take the time to study the prophetic Word of God? That's youtube.com forward slash prophecy today. We now bring to these microphones David James. David and I have a weekly conversation focusing on an issue of great interest to the body of Christ. We're going to do that again today. And as you may well remember, our listeners that were tuned in last week, uh, they know that we needed to do a rerun for David's segment due to a health problem that his mother was experiencing. David, uh, how's your mom doing? Well, thanks for asking, Jimmy. And they ran a series of tests, couldn't find the source of the problems, and is now back home and mostly over it. And in fact, they did test my mom for the coronavirus, since she and my dad are both uh, 82 years old, and and I'm thankful to say that uh, that test came back negative. Well, praise the Lord for that. We were praying for your mom especially. We'll now pray for the entire James family, and uh, praise the Lord for the negative results on that coronavirus test. Actually, this issue of a possible coronavirus exposure and the international problem that's really starting to affect all of us leads us to today's topic because of claims made on the Jim Baker television program. Talk to us about that, David. Well, you're right, Jimmy, and whether it could be causing the coronavirus uh, should be causing these kinds of problems with this worldwide panic or not. Uh, That's kind of a different question, but we can't deny the fact that it is affecting both of our ministries. I know it's already affecting trips to Israel for you, and I was scheduled to teach in Ukraine in a couple of weeks, but it looks like that trip won't happen, and I may be teaching by video remote over the Internet. And now, to your question, now we're seeing criminals adding to the problem, and I use that term intentionally. We're seeing criminals like Jim Baker and others taking advantage of this crisis to line their pockets by scamming, hurting, frightened, and unfortunately, some gullible people. Uh, As far as I can tell, Right Wing Watch, which is a radical leftist website, first broke the story about Jim Baker using a guest to hawk a supposed cure for the coronavirus, and then that story was picked up by other media outlets. And we can get into some more of the details in a few minutes, but the bottom line is this, that the New York State Attorney General issued a warning to Baker, and that was followed by a cease and desist order by both the Food and Drug Administration and the Federal Trade Commission to immediately cease making all such claims. And now the Attorney General of Missouri, where Baker's uh, organization is located, that Attorney General's office has announced that they have filed a lawsuit against Jim Baker and Morningside Church Productions Incorporated for misrepresentations about the effectiveness of a product called Silver Solution as a treatment for COVID-19. Wow. That is unbelievable news that you're reporting to us right here on Prophecy Today. David, before we get to the Morningside program and what was said about this silver solution, I think you called it, let's talk about Jim Baker. 
Because even though we, you and I, lived through this scandal in the 1980s, there may be people out there that do not know what happened then or what Baker has been doing since then. Can you update us, please? Well, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker began their career with Pat Robertson's Christian Broadcasting Network in 1966 and hosted the first version of the 700 Club. Then in 1972, they left CBN to start the Trinity Broadcasting Network with Paul and Jan Crouch. And then in 1974, the Bakers broke away and founded the PTL Satellite Network, which aired the PTL Club and other programming until 1989. In 1978, the Bakers opened Heritage USA in South Carolina, which became the third most successful amusement park in the U.S. at the time, behind only Disneyland and Disney World. Then in uh, 1987, Baker resigned from PTL after it was revealed he had paid $279,000 in hush money to a secretary named Jessica Hahn, who had alleged that he and a co-host had drugged and raped her. Then in 1989, he was convicted on a total of 24 counts of fraud and conspiracy and sentenced to 45 years in prison, which was later reduced to eight years. And then while in prison, Baker wrote a book that came out in 1996, I believe, titled I Was Wrong, referring to his earlier prosperity theology message. But I would say that since then, he's found another way to make a ton of money, and this time it's by selling survivalist supplies on the Jim Baker Show, which is located on a 600-acre Morningside USA compound outside Branson, Missouri. He uses false prophets and false teachers as little more than props, I would say, to convince his viewers they need his products, his survivalist products, to be prepared for the church to go through the tribulation period. And, Jimmy, I'm convinced it's a total scam, and I'm convinced he knows exactly what he's doing. I would probably agree 100%, but I would love to get more information from you, David. I know that we have an audio clip that uh, we want to play for our listeners so that they can know what was said by Baker and his guest about this silver solution. David, maybe you could briefly set this up for us. Sure. Well, I've actually spliced together two clips. The first part of the clip is an interaction between Baker and a naturopathic doctor named Cheryl Selman on the Jim Baker Show. And then the second part of the clip is having just Selman herself in the same Morningside studio as part of an infomercial connected with the website ptlstore.com. Now, I've shortened it for the sake of time, so it's going to sound just a little bit fast in spots. This influenza that is now circling the globe, you're saying that silver solution would be effective. Well, let's say it hasn't been tested on this strain of the coronavirus, but it's been tested on other strains yeah. of the coronavirus and has been uh, able to eliminate it within 12 hours. Yeah. Totally yeah. eliminate it, kills it, and deactivates it. Yeah. And then it boosts your immune system, so then you can support the recovery, because when you kill the virus, then the immune system comes into action to clear it out. So you want a vibrant immune system as well as an ability to deactivate these viruses. There are 50 patents that have been given to this product. And uh, they have done tests to show that the silver has been proven to help with E. coli, to help with MRSA, to help help with fungal infections, to help with various viruses, uh, sexually transmitted diseases, which are viruses, bacteria. It's it's destroyed those. It has um, uh, eliminated the uh, pathogen in malaria, in the plague, the pathogen that creates what we call the plague. Uh, 
it's pretty impressive. Even anthrax has been destroyed by exposure to silver. So when you, when you hear this, how powerful silver is, I like to say you never have to worry again. You know, you hear these reports, oh my God, there's a new flu coming in, there's a new this, a new virus. I'm going to tell you. Very interesting clip of actually the people involved in what may well be a scam. David, what can you tell us about this silver solution? and why Baker is now in what appears to be some very serious legal trouble. He's facing cease and desist orders, and now at least one lawsuit. Well, Jimmy, I've actually known about claims concerning products like this containing silver for years, so when I saw the report from Right Wing Watch, I knew exactly what it was. And this involves what's called colloidal silver, which are nanoparticles of silver suspended in liquids and gels for ingestion or topical use with the claim that it disrupts the pathogenic properties of microbial organisms at the molecular level. Now, I went to the Mayo Clinic website and I found uh, an article by a doctor where he says this, colloidal silver isn't considered safe or effective for any of the health claims that manufacturers make. Silver has no known purpose in the body, nor is it an essential mineral, as some sellers of silver products claim. Then he goes on to say that no sound scientific studies to evaluate these health claims have been published in reputable medical journals, and it's not now clear how much colloidal silver may be harmful, but it can build up in your body's tissues over months or years. Excessive doses of colloidal silver can cause possibly irreversible serious health problems, including kidney damage and neurological problems such as seizures. So I would say that selling this stuff, it's not only unethical, it's potentially criminal, and certainly the state and federal governments apparently agree with this assessment. David, uh, Baker seems certainly not to be the only one who is capitalizing off the end times sensationalism. We see it all over the place. But Baker does seem to be one of the most crass and cynical fear mongers out there. And when this is combined with false prophecies and unbiblical theology, it seems to be a very, as you said, dangerous situation both emotionally, financially, and spiritually. There's no doubt about it, Jimmy. Guys like Baker prey on people's fears. And so like most of the top leaders in the charismatic movement, they build much of their fortune on the backs of people who can least afford it. And they make promises that they can't deliver on. So that's the emotional and financial side. And on the spiritual side, you have at least two serious possible outcomes. One is that some eventually catch on to the scam, then become disillusioned with all the false prophecies, and then turn away from all Bible teachers when we all get lumped together into the same uh, group who are just peddling the Word of God. The other is that some may never see through it, and they try to convince others that these guys in their theology is all right, and things get more extreme and more bizarre as the sensationalists have to engage in one-upsmanship to keep people's attention with their next angle. We should expect the world to be deceived, but it shouldn't be happening in the church, and it comes from believers just not being on their guard and not knowing the Word of God the way they should. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, the first couple of verses, Paul writes, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, holy. 
And then in defending his own ministry in 2 Corinthians 2, he says, We are not like so many peddling the Word of God, but out of sincerity and as from God we speak in the sight of God and Christ. And that word peddle carries the idea of hawking wares deceitfully for illegitimate profit. Those are good verses for people to read. Second Timothy chapter 3. Read that whole chapter. It'll be good for you. And by the way, Jesus in the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24, verse 24, said in the last days, these false teachers would even almost convince and deceive those who do know Christ as Lord and Savior. Great warnings from the Word of God. David, very important report. This is maybe one of our most important reports in a long time. We sure appreciate your research on it. And uh, we'll be praying for your family, your mom especially. And we'll have another conversation next week. Okay, Jimmy, thanks so much. Great to be with you. We're going to take a break. When I come back, I'm going to take a look at the book, Open the Bible, talk about what my broadcast partners had to say, and show you how Bible prophecy and current events seemingly may be fitting together, giving us great information for this time in which we're living. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Hey everyone, this is Dave James with the Alliance for Biblical Integrity. You hear me each week discussing current theological issues with Jimmy DeYoung on the Prophecy Today weekend broadcast. We founded the Alliance for Biblical Integrity because we saw a need for an apologetics and discernment ministry that would be an important resource for local churches, schools, and ministry organizations that face ever-changing theological challenges in today's world. I teach many different courses and seminars in the United States and around the world and can tailor the seminars for Sunday schools, Bible studies, and church services, and the courses for weekend conferences of 6 to 10 hours. For more information, you can go to the ABI website at biblicalintegrity.org. That's one word, biblicalintegrity.org, and click on Courses and Seminars on the main menu. You can also contact me personally through the contact page on the ABI website. I look forward to hearing from you. The book of Revelation is God's final word to man and the timeline of the last days revealed to the Christians. This symbolism-filled example of apocalyptic literature can be difficult to understand, especially when simply reading it from beginning to end. Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's latest book, Revelation, A Chronology, takes a walk through the prophetic book of Revelation in the order that the events will take place, chronologically, sharing insights into its true meaning and doing so in an easy-to-understand and practical way. If you have difficulty understanding the book of Revelation, get your copy of Revelation, A Chronology, and let Dr. Jimmy DeYoung aid you in your understanding of this profound end-times prophecy book that God has preserved in His Scriptures for Christians in the last days. To order your copy of Jimmy DeYoung's Revelation, A Chronology, call us toll-free at 877-674-3298 or visit our website at prophecytoday.com. It's time right now here on Prophecy Today for us to take a look at the book. Our broadcast partners around the world have been excellent in reporting on current events wherever they may be covering these events and then giving us insight into what is really going on. Not what the mainstream media is reporting, but the truth behind these current events. 
These reports are key for each and every one of us as we study the prophetic word of God alongside the reports of the current events and see how the prophetic scenario that is found in God's word is coming better into focus each and every day with each and every report. By the way, if you had to miss any of these reports, please go to my website, prophecytoday.com. Go to PTRN, Prophecy Today Radio Network. That's where we archive all of these reports. You then are able to listen at your convenience when it's good for you. And tell a friend they need to hear these reports and understand how these current events are really setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. Today we had reports from Ken Timmerman. Now when I say our broadcast partners are around the world, Ken was in southern France today when he gave us his report, and he had much to say. You want to listen to the entire report, but we did focus on Syria. Syria, who has been in a civil war now for some eight years, may be getting close to the in-game scenario. There is a potential that they could bring back chemical weapons of mass destruction, several hints that that has already been the case. But I do know what God's Word has in plan for the Syrians. The city of Damascus is going to be destroyed. That's Isaiah chapter 17. Study that passage very closely. In fact, as the nations gather and align themselves to destroy the Jewish state of Israel, the book of Daniel chapter 11 and verse 40 mentions the king of the north, that is Syria, they will make the first move of this coalition of nations to destroy the Jewish state as the Antichrist comes into the Middle East to deal with this coalition. He will come in, go up north to Damascus, destroy Damascus, make his way then down through what is modern-day Jordan into Egypt, and will then deal with all the others in that alignment of nations. That's Daniel chapter 11. David Dolan has a Middle East news update each and every week for us. David had a lot to say about the coronavirus taking place there in the Jewish state. And the economy will be under much pressure because of some of the decisions that the prime minister has made, stopping anybody and everybody from entering the Jewish state of Israel. Meantime, on Palestinian Authority television, the preacher there says that the coronavirus is one of the soldiers of Almighty Allah. Allah will use this coronavirus to go after his enemies, Palestinian preachers saying the enemies of the Palestinians, the Jewish people, coronavirus will attack them. By the way, the Palestinians, according to the prophetic passages in the word of God, will endeavor to destroy the Jewish state. They will partner with Iran and other enemies of Israel. Just check out Ezekiel chapter 35, verses 5 and 10, where it says the Palestinians will kill the Jews and then steal their land. Winky Madad, he's an Orthodox Jewish man who lives in Shiloh. That's the center part of the state. That's the location of where the Ark of the Covenant and the tabernacle rested for 350 years. But now Winky is talking about the third election in one year that took place. 
making it look like there's going to have to be a fourth election. However, there is a possibility for an emergency government to come together to deal with the coronavirus situation in Israel. You know, human government is key to the future of each and every nation of the world, but in particular, the Jewish nation. God has a plan for the Jewish people. It's laid out in his covenants, the Abrahamic covenant, uh, the land covenant, the Davidic covenant, and the new covenant. They are going to be a nation forever. God's plan will be fulfilled. That is key to our understanding of any type of end-time scenario. John Rood gave us a report on the European Union. He said they're not happy with President Trump's decision to stop all incoming passengers from the European Union. You know what? The European Union is very self-centered. They make decisions based on what's best for them. That's the way it's going to help them to become the revived Roman Empire, which is what Daniel chapter 2 and chapter 7 call for. Had a very important report from our newest broadcast partner, Ron Morrow. He gave us an explanation of why the stock market automatically shut down. It did that twice this last week. And he also talked about the impact on the stock market from the coronavirus and the price of crude oil. Crude oil, of course, is what we get gasoline for our automobiles and every other use that we have. All of the crude oil pricing is based upon OPEC. It's an association of oil-producing countries led by Russia and Saudi Arabia. They're having somewhat of an argument about what to do, produce more or cut the supply off. And the coronavirus is causing the sellout of the stock market based upon fear. However, Ron concluded the U.S. economy will revive, but remember Revelation 18 And Revelation 16 talks about a one-world economic power in Babylon in partnership with China. Very interesting partnership. And then David James and I focused on Jim Baker. He's a former Christian broadcaster, has a TV program now out of Branson, Missouri. And he has several lawsuits, a cease and desist order from New York because of selling Silver Solution which he is claiming will help you be cured of the coronavirus. He's a false teacher. He's teaching false prophecy and theology and trying to make money off of the Christian community as he does that. Jesus warned us false teachers in the last days. Well, everything we've said on the broadcast today is evidence that we are quickly approaching the time of the next event on God's calendar. That's the rapture of the church. That rapture could happen at any moment. And having said that, nothing left for me to say except let's keep looking up until... Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Jay Johnson inviting you to join us again next week for more of Prophecy Today.